I went to Dallas Seminary, and there's a famous story uh, that, that's found in the school. One is one time they, they didn't have any money, and Dr. Lewis Berry Chaffer was the founder. He said, well, let's just pray, and they got down and prayed. And he said, Lord, we know you own our cattle, all the cattle on a thousand hills, so we need the money. Right then there was a knock on the door, and I mean, literally, knock on the door, they opened it up, and a person said this letter just came, and the letter was exactly the amount of money that they needed. It happened, you know, happens all the time. In fact, in my life, that's happened a number of times. God just does stuff like that. Uh, Chaffer was known for grace. That's why I love him. That's why uh, he's got an eight-volume systematic study, that big. I've read every page in it. I had to, first of all, for Dallas Seminary, but I read it before I went to Dallas Seminary. And so it's, it's amazing. In 1922, almost 100 years ago, he published a book entitled Grace. And he said that salvation was the, by the grace of God. It was on the basis of faith, and works had nothing to do with salvation. Now, we say, so, I mean, we know that. That's what we know all the time. But that, first of all, we realize that that's not what people think today, and that's not what exactly people thought then. It was not re- re- well received at the time because the major denominations taught something different. And Chafer was accused of teaching easy believism, which means you're making it too easy for people to go to heaven. Think about that. Making it too easy for people to be saved. Chafer said, by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, you know, from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Near the end of his life, he still taught at Dallas Seminary, and there's a story, and I want to tell you the story. There was uh, two guys. One was a brilliant guy. Uh, he made hundreds on everything. I mean, literally, he was brilliant. Uh, uh, he later went on and had a huge ministry. This is in the... Uh, Chafer died in 1952. So this is the late, late 40s, early 50s. And so there was a class. And there were two guys, and the guy that's brilliant makes 100 on every test, and the guy sat beside him, and Chafer hands out a test, and they take it. And as they walked out the door, the brilliant guy said, how'd you do? And the other guy said, well, I think I failed. He said, I, I was up all night. Well, you know, my wife, we have a baby, and the baby got sick, and I was up all night long, and I didn't really get much chance to study, so I don't think I did very well. He said, what do you think? He said, well, I, I think I might go <laughs> Yeah, okay. So then they got the papers back, and uh, on the brilliant guy, he got an A, said A. And he asked the friend, how'd you do? He said, I got an A. He went, you got an A? He said, yeah. He said, you didn't even fill out half the paper. He said, I know, I, know, I got an A. So this brilliant guy decides to go see Dr. Chafer to find out how that happened. So he goes into Chaper's office, and he walks in and says, can I talk to you, Dr. Chaper? And he says, yeah. He says, look, I, I don't want to say anything bad, but, you know, I studied really hard. I made an A. I actually made 100 and everything. There was this other guy. You know him, and you, you know, yeah. He said, I know him. He said, you gave him an A, and he didn't do very well. And Chaper said, yeah, I, I understood that he had a sick child and things like that. He said, but that doesn't really seem fair to me. I don't understand what you did. And he said, well, maybe you'll understand grace when you see this, because grace is getting what? You don't deserve. And he decided to give him a hundred. Chafer says, now you're understanding grace. God deals with us not according to what we deserve. God deals with us in grace and mercy. Aren't you glad? Would any of us be alive if God dealt with us in justice? Justice for us? People say, I, I want justice. No, you don't. No, you're not dealing with God. You don't want justice. God's justice was poured out on His Son, Jesus Christ. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. See, grace, God sent Jesus Christ to die and rise again for us. We don't deserve this. 
Mercy is we deserve to be separated, but we don't get that. We don't. Uh, we're not. We. What do we deserve? Is to be separated, but we're not separated. So you think about the grace and mercy of God in our lives. Aren't we thankful? Uh, when I when, when when you wake up. You should say, thank you, Lord, for your grace. You let me live another day. You gave me gifts, talents, and abilities. You gave me the Bible. You gave me a, a, a fellowship with other believers. You let me live on this earth. Uh, you, you let me serve you. You let me do these things. It's all the grace of God. As we continue in our study in this final interaction between Elijah and Ahab, and we saw it last time, that God shows uh, grace, grace and mercy. God sends Elijah to confront Ahab. Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel, Jezebel, they're both wicked, have lied and murdered and stolen to get a vineyard from a guy by the name of Naboth. And Elijah approached and gave a prophecy. And we saw this. And the prophecy was that Ahab would be killed. And as the dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, so would they lick up his blood. And then the second prophecy was that Jezebel would die and be eaten by dogs. Those are the two prophecies. And that's what we saw this last week. That's what, it's gruesome. In fact, uh, probably next week we'll actually see this. So get ready. I like it. But anyway, it's, uh, it's good. Because, the, you know, be not deceived. God is not mock what? Reap what you sow on some of these people when they're that evil. Anyway, here's the breakdown of the passage. Ahab humbles himself at uh, 21 through, uh, 20, uh, 25 through 29. And then the prophecy concerning Ahab. We'll just get started in chapter 22 this morning. And uh, you know, when I read this, it just is not what I expected. When I see that Elijah went to Ahab, I expected when Elijah said, you will die and they'll lick up your blood, dogs will, and all your descendants will be cut off, and Jezebel will be eaten by dogs, I expected Ahab to say, I don't believe you. I don't, you're just a troubler of Israel. I, I hate you. Get out of my sight. That's what I thought would happen. I mean, if you'd look at, his, look at him in the background, that's what you see. But that's not what happens. So in verse 19, 21, 19, God says, Tell him in the place where the dogs will get the blood of Naboth, the dogs will, lip, the dogs will lift up, lick up your blood, even yours. And, and then later on he says, and also they will cut off all of the family, and then the dogs will eat Jezebel. These are really strong prophecies. And Elijah is a prophet of God, and when God gives information to Elijah, whatever, whatever God says to Elijah, it comes true. God says, just tell them there won't be any rain until your word. There wasn't any rain. Then he said, tell them there will be rain, there's going to be rain. When Elijah said, let's, let's see who the true God is, and he called down from God to bring down fire, God brings down the fire. Everything that God does through Elijah is, is perfect and accurate. And so he says, you will die, and where they licked up the blood of Naboth, they're going to lick up your blood. Your descendants will be cut off, and Jezebel will be eaten by dogs. You know, I, I wonder if he went and told her. I don't know if he, t- I don't think I die. You know, I think he's afraid of her because, I mean, she's evil. She's more evil than he is. I think he probably said, I'm not going to go tell her that. You know, no telling what she'll do. So as you look at this, look at um, chap- uh, chapter 21 and look at verse 25. We saw this last week, but I just want you to look at it. Surely there was no one like Ahab who sold himself 
to do evil in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. Now, there's nobody like him in the sense saying that he did wrong. And it says his wife was to blame because she incited him. Now, he's responsible for his actions, but at the same time, she's there helping him do these actions and putting some of these things... I mean, just the story of him saying, I wanted to buy the the vineyard, but the guy wouldn't sell it to me. And she says, you're the king. You can get whatever you want. We'll figure this out. And she has him killed and says, now go take it. And, of course, going and taking is evil, too. He should have said, well, he should have said, well, I don't know what what he should have done then. She's already killed the man. What are you supposed to do? Say, I'm not taking that land. It's what he should have done. So, I mean, they're, they're bad people. And it says there's nobody. Listen, let me tell you this. We've talked about this before. There are bad people and there are evil people. Everybody's bad. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. You put us in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know what we'll do? Wrong thing. All of us. Don't think that they teed lest you think you stand. You what? You fall. You're not, not going to make it every time. If you get yourself in the wrong place, you're going to mess up. That's because we're fallen people. Now, we're bad. But there are some people who are evil. There are some people who choose to do bad and want to do bad and plan to do bad, and that they're evil people. Jezebel was one of those. I think Ahab, I think he was just a, a follower. I don't think he was a leader. I think she was the leader, and I think she, he follows her. And look what it says. There was nobody like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. He acted very abominably in following idols. According to all the Amorites had done, uh, whom the Lord cast out before the sons of Israel. And what he's saying is, the Lord had destroyed these nations because of what they did, and here's the king of Israel doing exactly the same thing. So we see some really, really, really bad things. Uh, let me just say this to you that when we get married, it is really important to look for a godly spouse. I mean, some people are so desperate to get married, they, they will settle for less. And I've, over the years, I've counseled people that's come into my office, and, and we look at what's going on, and I say, I don't, I don't think this person is what you're looking for. Yeah, but, you know, he loves me, or she loves me. And, and you, you look at their character, you look at their actions, you look what they say, you look what they believe. Uh, you know, a good husband and a good wife can really build you up, and a bad husband and a bad wife can really tear you down. And we see it in, the, in Ahab and Jezebel. It's really something there. We want, we want somebody in our lives that's going to help us grow. So look what it says. It says he acted, very, he acted badly is what it says. He acted, he followed idols. He did what the Amorites did. So here's the thing uh, that amazed me. Verse 27. It came about when Ahab heard these words that he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and fasted, and lay in sackcloth, and went about despondently. What? He did? What what is Ahab's response to the word of God, to the word of the Lord that was given by Elijah? What did he do? He humbled himself. I would have never thought that Ahab would ever humble himself, but then once again, a lot of this evil doesn't come from him. It came from her. And I think when he was struck with the idea of, you're going to die and your blood is going to be licked up, and she's going to be eaten by dogs, I think maybe he, he thought, wow, what's going on? Now, let me just say something. I'm not saying that Ahab became a believer. I'm just saying that Ahab um, humbled himself and got sackcloth and ashes and basically said, I'm sort of sorry for what I've done. 
If you remember that when Jonah went to Nineveh, the message was in 40 days the whole city will be destroyed and the whole city put on sackcloth and ashes. And God said, well, I see the way they humble themselves. I won't destroy them. It didn't say that everybody in that city believed in the true God. It just said he decided not to destroy them because they humbled themselves. And Ahab humbles himself. And once again, I don't want, you know, he may have believed. What if he did? If we're in heaven and we see Ahab and we go, boy, you were bad. I was bad, yeah. But, but uh, we don't know. I, if you're asking me, you think, I think he was, I'd say, I don't think so. But I think that he humbled himself. And let me just say something. Never second guess who you think might believe and might not. Because we hear people say, oh, that person is so bad. They would never believe the truth about Jesus Christ. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know who's going to believe and who's not. Who do we share our faith with? Yeah, okay. Because it doesn't say anything about that he suddenly started following the Lord or anything like that. And it doesn't say that, that he believed. It just says he humbled himself in sackcloth and ashes. So, I, 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 And the people in, in Nineveh, it doesn't say they believed. It says they believed the message, which was judgment. And so they actually said, maybe we can stop the judgment. And they put sackcloth and ashes. So I think maybe he's actually thinking, maybe if I humble myself, this bad stuff won't happen to me. It's, uh, if we don't know how much time, but it's not going to be very long because in the very next chapter, he goes and meets the king of the south, Jehoshaphat, and they decide to go to war together. So when you say not very long, you mean like less than a year? Or like oh, oh, I, I think weeks at the, at the shortest probably. I mean at the longest probably. Just because it says he humbled himself, and a lot of people think when you humble yourself before God, that means you're believing. But, you know, we all know people who say, I'm so sorry for what I've done. What, let me ask you this. Did Judah, uh, did, did uh, Judas, what did he do? Did he humble himself? He came in and said, I have done wrong, and he threw the money back, and he went and killed himself. But the Bible says that he was the son of perdition, that he, that, that he wasn't a believer. So, you know, what I'm, let's say this. I hope he is. Wouldn't it be great if he is? Wouldn't it be great that when we get there, we go, wow, you, you did believe. Wow. So, but that's a great point. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I would just say that I don't, it doesn't say anything about he, he believed. You know, when we get later on in 1 Samuel, it's going to say that Samuel believes. It actually says that Samuel at that point did not know the Lord. And then it says later he believes. And then, so I think in a lot of times it'll tell you, it'll say righteousness or, or uh, you know, the mom and daddy of John the Baptist were righteous people, meaning they were believers because they have the righteousness of God. That, so that's how I look at it. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I'd rather get up to heaven and see Ahab there and say, wow, well, you straightened up right at the end, didn't you? Yeah? And just like the thief on the cross... You know, so who knows? But it came about when he heard these words, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and fasted, and lay in sackcloth, and went about despondently. Now, notice if you if you read further down, when Elijah gets the message from God, see how Ahab has humbled himself before me. It didn't say he's believed in me or he's trusted in me or he's looking for the now Messiah, or now he's become a righteous man. It doesn't say any of that. So I, that's the only reason I take it that I think that 
the, the humbling himself is just recognizing who God is, what God's going to do to him. He's taught, you know, and, and it could be. I, I hope, I hope, uh, I hope that we see him in heaven. But what does God do? I think we see God's grace. And let me tell you what God's grace is in this point. God's grace is not to stop the prophecy. God's grace is to say, you won't have to live to see the prophecy. Because let me tell you, when, they, when he gets killed and they're licking his blood, he doesn't see that. And when all his children are cut off, he doesn't see that. And when Jezebel is eaten by dogs, he doesn't see that. So the promise, if you notice, look what it says here. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but I will bring the evil upon his house in his son's days. And so the word of the Lord comes to Elijah, and it's, it's amazing, it's grace. Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring evil in his day, but in his son's day. So let me remind you of this that the grace of God does not always erase or does not erase all the consequences. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you also what? Reap. There, there are consequences for, listen, whether you're a believer or unbeliever, whatever you do, there are, there are results that come out from that. And what is amazing about it is that whatever you do, it doesn't only just affect you, it affects who? Those around you. You know, we always say that thing, you never sin in a vacuum. And you may think, I do this, and it doesn't hurt anybody but me or nobody else will know, but it affects everybody. I mean, think about, think about Ahab's, what about his sons? Now, I'm not saying they were good people, but they're, they're not going to make it. And then we know Jezebel was bad. And, but, you know, when, when you see the consequences that are coming, uh, they are, you know, our sins affect other people. I think we need to think about that when we decide we're going to do something wrong, that we got to realize it's not just us and God. And we may say, I've had, I remember, a Nap told me a story of a guy that was doing something wrong, and uh, Nap went to him and said, you need to stop it. I mean, it was pretty known. It was a known thing. And he went to, this is Nap, and this is a sort of a 20-something-year-old guy, early days, and Nap said, you need to stop that. And he said, why? And he said, well, you know, because... Whom the Lord loves, he chases and scourges every what? Every child. So be careful. When you're living in sin, as a believer, God will hurt you. I mean, when I say hurt you, he's going to discipline you. And the guy said, I believe I can take whatever God throws out. That's what he said. Snap said, okay. What was the most weird thing is about two weeks later, he got arrested for, uh, I don't know what, it was bad enough that they put him in jail. And they thought he was the person that did it. He did not do it. And for about two weeks, he was in jail. And Nap went to see him, and he said, i got to get out of here. I didn't do this. And Nap said, yeah, I, I, I don't know. You know, why are you in here? <laughs> and by the grace of God, they found out that he wasn't the one. But it kind of scared him, and he thought, you know, I better not say again. I'll just, you know, whatever God you want to throw on me, I can take. No. And so we, when we look at this, we realize that God is a great God. And our sin doesn't just affect us, it affects others. But the grace of God does not always erase the consequences. Guess what's going to happen? Ahab is going to die, and they're going to lick up his blood. Right where Naboth's blood was licked up. And his sons are going to die. They're never going to get to serve in the way or the be that they thought they would be. 
and Jezebel is going to die, and dogs are going to eat up her body. That's what's going to happen. Now, we'd say, that's pretty gross. Why would God do that? I, I, I don't ask him. I don't, question, I don't question things like this. He's in charge. He decides whatever, how he wants to do things, and this is, this is what's going to happen. And when we think about how he deals with us, think about grace. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die and rise again. We did not deserve that. That's the grace of God. Grace of God that salvation is a gift simply by faith. Uh, He loves us. He sent his son. From a human perspective, grace is is totally a free gift. It is undeserved. It It is from God. It is a priceless sacrifice. It cost God his son. It cost us nothing. It's called grace. And let me tell you, people don't grasp it. There are people out there who will say things like, yeah, you come to God by grace, and so you need to turn away from your sins and give your life to Jesus and start serving him and walk down an aisle, get baptized, and then name all the things they have to do, and that's not grace. People need to understand that salvation is totally a gift, and it's not anything that we do or keep doing. That's why it's called grace. And then there's mercy involved. Mercy is not getting what we should deserve. That's what mercy is. We should be separated from God because of our sin. We've all come short of the glory of God. We're all in rebellion. But mercy is not by works of righteousness we've done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. Realize God's grace in sending Jesus to die for us and his mercy in bringing us to himself. Don't ever forget it. Chapter 22, let's see the very first part. We'll go really quickly. We've got about five minutes, so I want you to see this. In chapter 22, here's what happened. Oh, Brandy, my mind went blank, but if you read the first verse, it tells you exactly how long it is in between. I wasn't even thinking. How long is it? Three years. He's had a long time. You know, do you remember when Nebuchadnezzar was told by Daniel that a judgment's coming and you better do something about it? And he said, yeah, okay, I'm not going to think about it. You know how long it was? A year later, a year later, Nebuchadnezzar's on the roof saying, look at this great kingdom I have built. Can you imagine Ahab saying, you know, five weeks have passed, three months have passed, a year has passed, a year and a half has passed, two years have passed, two and a half. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. You know, we all know this, that when judgment is not swift, uh, people keep sinning, right? I mean, that's why we know that when people commit murder and it takes 10 to 12 to 15, 20 years on death row before they're ever executed, that people say, I I mean, I I can get away with it. I mean, it takes forever for them to ever get you. That's why the Bible says that when judgment is not executed promptly, sin abounds. It's, It's just the way it is. You know what he probably thought after these three years? I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Then three years passed without war between Aram and Israel. Now, let me just say this. The three years without war between Aram and Israel doesn't necessarily mean, and let me just say it this way, it not necessarily means there's three years from the time that the judgment was given to Ahab. It just means there had not been war between Aram and Israel for three years. In the third year, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. So, the Jehoshaphat's the king of Judah, and Ahab is the king of Israel. Remember, the two kingdoms now. Now, the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that 
that uh, Rabbath Gilead belongs to us, and, and we're doing nothing to take it out of the hand of Ram. Ram had ta- taken the city. And so he says, that's our city. We need to go conquer it and take it back around. And a man said, he said to, he said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to the battle? And Jehoshaphat said, well, now let me just tell you something. Jehoshaphat should have said, I don't have anything to do with you. You're evil. The southern kingdom wasn't near as bad as the northern kingdom. He said, well, I'm as you are. My people is your people. My horses is your horses. And they said, oh, let's go then. And so they're going to go. And they said, well, let's, let's, let's inquire of the Lord. By the way, let me put this up. The king of the north is Ahab, the king of the south is Jehoshaphat. They decide to get prophecy from God. So Ahab, who's the prophet in the northern kingdom? Elijah. But he didn't call Elijah. He calls 400 prophets. Notice verse 6. And the king of Israel gathered together prophets together, about 400 men. And he said, shall we go fight up there? And they all go, yeah, go up there. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat sees right through it and says, these are your handpicked guys. They're going to say whatever you want them to say. Do you not have a real prophet? Now, let me tell you what he says. It's not going to be Elijah. Look who it's going to be. Verse 8, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is one man by whom we may inquire the Lord, but I hate him because he does not prophesy prophesy any good concerning me. His name is Micaiah. He's the son of Imlah. But Jehoshaphat said, well, let let not the king say so. Let's do it. Here's this guy. His name is Micaiah. And he says, I hate him. Why? Because he always says bad things about me. Why do you think he says bad things about him? Because he's bad. And so he says, I've got one prophet that I actually think is really a prophet, but I hate him. When you think about it, so many people disregard the Bible because it says things they don't want to hear. I've had people come into my office and they ask me something about the Bible and we say this, whatever it says, and they say, but I I don't like that. And I go, well, I I know. And they say, I'm not going to do that. I said, well, okay, that's up to you. Right? I mean, things like people say, well, you should stay married. Now, you said sex is only for people in marriage. You've got to be honest with each other. You've got to forgive. Have you, ever, have you ever had somebody say, come in to see you or talk with you, and they're mad at somebody, and they're not going to forgive them, and you say something like, you need to forgive them, and they say, I will never forgive them. They're going contrary to Scripture. And the truth is, why did Ahab hate Micaiah? Because Micaiah told himself, and it was always opposed to whatever he wanted to do because he wanted to go contrary to the Scripture. So let me give you quickly applications. Let's, let's real, we'll, we'll take it up there next week. Let's realize the grace and mercy of God, the grace to send Jesus Christ to die and rise to pay for sin, to, to give us eternal life, and the mercy that we won't ever be separated. We won't ever face the judgment of God. And I love it because Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we're saved by grace, and Titus 3, 5, we're saved by His mercy. So never take that for granted. I think your hand doesn't have the answers on there, so I'm not going too fast, am I? Okay. And then realize this. This is something. Realize there are always consequences to sin. Whatever we sow, we reap. I can remember. Let me me tell you something. I remember in the early days, I went to Knapp because Knapp was the pastor, helped lead me to Christ. I'm starting to grow as a Christian. I'm coaching at Mississippi State. He's in the church. He's my pastor. So I go to him, and I say, Knapp, so... So if you sin, and God is going to discipline you sometimes, or a lot of times. He said, yeah, yeah, be not deceived. You know, God's not. Whatever you sow, you reap. And whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges. I said, well, then 
why should we confess it? I mean, if he's going to get us anyway, so to speak. This is what I ask, you know. And he said this. He, he said, it's better to have the consequences in fellowship than out of fellowship? Is it better to confess your sin and be in fellowship with God when he disciplines you or to be out of fellowship when God disciplines you? So think about this. Whenever we sin, the moment we realize we sin, we confess it right then because even though there may be consequences to sin, the consequences to sin are going to be so much, let me say it in this way, better when you're back in the fellowship with God than when you're separated from God. So confess sin.